Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. Coming to you from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away here under the tall timbers of beautiful Colorado. Beautiful but liberal Colorado, but that's okay. Uh, someday, hopefully... Uh, they'll see the error of their ways, but it certainly is beautiful, snow-covered, uh, tall pines with snow-covered uh, branches. It's a beautiful day, bright sunshine. It is Friday, March the 1st, 2024, and uh, so glad to have uh, my good friend and colleague Russ Miller, uh, probably the best, in my opinion anyway, creation scientist out there. Um, I know he'd love to come to your church or your organization. Uh, so before we're done with the podcast today, we'll give you the uh, information about how to contact him. Uh, I'll bring him on here in just a moment. We're going to talk today about how the Grand Canyon formed in a matter of days. Maybe you've never heard that before, but that is a matter of fact. You know, the, the liberal Darwinian lie that the Grand Canyon formed over millions of years because of the Colorado River is simply not uh, true. And I will get Russ to explain that here in just a moment. But uh, a couple of quick announcements. We've just added some new charts to the free section of our uh, Not By Works online store. So we try to do that periodically. There's dozens of materials up there now, uh, articles, uh, notes, and charts. Uh, so check out the free section of the Not By Works online store and uh, download those. You don't need a credit card or anything. Just put them in your cart and we will email them to you instantly. Um, and then also want to just remind you of our uh, premier Zoom uh, session in March. We've got uh, Lee Brainerd lined up. Can't wait to have him on our live Q&A. That's for premier members only. You get to ask him questions. We dialogue, and it's just a great night. We usually go for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, it's recorded, so our premier members that aren't able to make it live can go back and watch it uh, later at their leisure. And if you're not a premier member but uh, are thinking about signing up, you can go to notbyworks.org. Again, click on the either the premier uh, subscriber button on the highlight carousel or go to the store and, and you can purchase it there. It's a small monthly fee. You can cancel at any time. And we appreciate very much our premier uh, members. Lots of great content there for you in addition to just our monthly Zoom Q&As with, with guests. So our verse for the day, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 10, verse 6, where Jesus is talking about marriage. And he makes a very... Uh, often overlooked but very pivotal statement that is one of two or three, in my opinion, smoking guns that absolutely prove young earth and prove that we don't have millions of years of death and destruction prior to the creation of Adam and Eve, because in Mark 10, verse 6, Jesus said, from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And it doesn't take a Greek expert to figure out that from the beginning of the creation means from the beginning of the creation. And so when God spoke the world into existence, he created everything in six literal 24-hour days, including male and female made in his image. Um, we don't have uh, an initial creation and millions of years of death and destruction, like many people try to suggest the dinosaurs were in that time frame. And then eventually God cleaned it up and decided to make man, because that would violate Jesus' own teaching that from the beginning of the creation, we had Adam and Eve. So with that, uh, let me welcome Russ Miller. Creation, Evolution, and Science Ministries is the name of his ministry. You can learn more at creationministries.org. Russ, thanks so much for being with us today. Hi, JB. How are you doing? 
I am great, man. I'm uh, excited. We're on the road. Uh, we're pre-recording this, full disclosure. I'm, uh, most of our podcasts are same day, but sometimes we record them early when I'm going to be sitting behind uh, the steering wheel driving. But uh, we're on on uh, tour down in uh, in uh, Florida and Atlanta and just uh, having some great time. But uh, really looking forward to our discussion today, my friend. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, being able to chat with you, especially about the Grand Canyon, and I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for having me on your program. Oh, my pleasure. Now, uh, I've had the privilege of taking one of your Grand Canyon tours, and I wish I could do it again. My wife and I talk about it all the time. Uh, life is just so busy. But uh, it was really, it left its mark on me, uh, quite honestly, when you began to explain as we were walking around the rim, because it was to rim, it was one of those rim and raft tours where we spent a day or so walking around the rim, and you pointed out the different uh, uh, aspects of the Grand Canyon that prove that it's not uh, something that was created uh, by the river over millions of years. And then down on the river, we actually took a raft trip and uh, the next day and, and got uh, to see some things. So by the way, let me just put in a plug for that. Uh, if you go to Russ's website, uh, he's done, uh, I don't know how many of these. How many of these have you done over the years? Well, we've been leading uh, the Grand Canyon tours for about 20 years now. So uh be honest with you, it's in the hundreds, but <laughs> I've long lost track yeah. of exactly how many. I used to lead raft trips through the canyon based on biblical creation, four and seven day trips through the canyon, but uh, stopped doing those because they turn into raft trips. It's hard to communicate and started doing the rim tours and then the rim and raft trips and and now we do uh, grand staircase tours as well and is it uh, i know often the way we did at that time is not by works ministries sponsored it and 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 it was it was our folks uh, that came and you were kind of the the leader the host um do and, and you still do that but is it possible for folks to go to your website now and sign up for one for this summer or are they all sold out well this summer we are doing uh, a brief version of a grand staircase tour uh, because of uh, the uh, massive amount of uh, <clears throat> illegal aliens crossing our border. Homeland Security and other agencies are afraid of how many terrorists and such may have crossed, and they've actually uh, shut down the raft portion of that trip. Hmm. So we... Uh, we can't do the raft portion of that trip. So we just switched over to doing grand staircase tours and we've got uh, four going uh, this year. Uh, three of those are with compass international out of Coeur d'Alene. We do a lot with, you know, Bill Perkins and, and sure. Susie, and you've, you've spoken at their stealing the mind conferences and we're doing three with them all in June. We, we actually uh, of the four trips we're doing this year on the grand staircase Three are already sold out. There's one other. We just added one with Compass about uh, two weeks ago because the other two sold out in, in a matter of weeks. And I think that trip still has about 24 open seats. So if anyone's interested in uh, that trip, we'll go to the North Rim of Grand Canyon, to Zion, and to Bryce. Uh, that is the Grand Staircase. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But it's just awesome proof and fact probably the the number one proof in the world uh, that god has judged his his earth with a uh, global flood and we'll be doing that trip uh, in june three times and one of the the 
last uh, one, I think it's June 26th to the 30th, still has a few seats available. If anyone's uh, interested in seeing three of the most beautiful national parks we have in the United States and seeing them through an awesome biblical-based uh, tour. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, two of my favorite people in the world, Bill Perkins and Russ Miller. Uh, and uh, I know you guys will, would enjoy that if you can sign up for that. Uh, worked with Bill uh, a lot. And uh, and so, yeah, I encourage you to check that out. So you mentioned uh, just the, 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 the awe-inspiring recognition of God's judgment there with the flood. One of the charts that is free on our free section of our online store is a comparison and contrast, or really a comparison between the global flood judgments and what was going on in that day and the second coming uh, judgments that Jesus warns about in the Olivet Discourse. Very fascinating parallels there that I encourage you guys to check out. All right, so let's dive in. We've just got a few minutes uh, today, but I think we can we can cover the material here. Um, why do people think the Grand Canyon formed over millions of years? Why does that? Why do our textbooks uh, say that? Well, JB, that's that's based on uh, two beliefs: one, uniform processes; the other words, the rates we see today have always been pretty much the same. And secondly, a belief that there's never been a global flood. The secular geology has been based on those two beliefs now for about 150 years, which is interesting because in Second Peter 3, verses 3 through 6, it's foretold, this is a prophecy in the New Testament, that in the last days, this is the last days prophecies, non-believers will come along claiming that all things uh, remain the same since the beginning of the creation, uniform processes, and they're going to be willingly ignorant that by the word of God, the world that was being overflowed with water perished. So the Bible foretold 2,000 years ago that in the last days, non-believers would claim uniform processes and deny the global flood. Kind of interesting, even going back 200 years ago, you'd be thinking, well, why would anyone care about the global flood? Well, because then they, they made the uh, geologic column or time scale about 220 years ago it didn't really start to catch on till about 170 years ago but it's a drawing of 12 primary layers the crust of the earth and with the belief that hey those layers stratified out by grain size weight and density by moving water by the way <laughs> didn't form quickly in a flood no no they formed slowly at the rates we see today slowly and uniformly not quickly during a global flood there was never a global flood so they teach and that's what secular geology is based upon uh, those uh, today, those two beliefs, uniformity and uh, no, never having been a global flood. So they, they look at the rate that, that a, a layer may be forming today, which is virtually not at all. And they say, well, look, these uh, stratified layers that make up the crust of the earth average a mile deep around the globe. Some places are much deeper than that. And they say, well, they're hardly forming today. It's always been the same rate. And that's how they came up with their hundreds of millions of years of strata formation. In fact, uh, all, all of our friends listening out there, if you have been fooled into believing in one of the older beliefs that put death before Adam, by the way, please consider that. Uh, your belief is based on uniform processes, no global flood. Even if you may never have heard of that before, if you're accepting the older beliefs, they are all based on a belief in uniform processes and denial of the global flood. Um, that's why, that's why uh, let's say, theistic evolutionists, progressive creationists, etc., 
when asked about the flood, will say it was a local flood or a regional flood. And most people that do that, JB, don't even know why they're they're They don't know why it matters. But it, the reason that they've been taught to deny the global flood is the global flood explains how the Earth's crustal layers, the stratified layers uh, separated by grain size, weight and density by moving water. So you have all shale together, all limestone together, all mudstone together, um, which is great proof of the flood, by the way. But the reason that they deny the flood is it explains how the layers form quickly, destroying every old earth belief. And that includes Darwinism, naturalism, humanism, etc. If there was a global flood, it wipes those beliefs out. So for all of our uh, Christian friends out there, if you've been fooled into accepting one of the old earth beliefs, uh, please get some information. Uh, my book, Cost, covers it very well. So do my my videos and um, find out why uh, we can just look at the world through a biblical worldview, like at Grand Canyon and say, wow, this proves God's word trumps man's ever-changing philosophies. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can't be overstated how significant the global flood is to understanding uh, the age of the earth. And you're right, that prediction in Peter uh, it, it it affects everything. Once you start with the premise that what we see now can be extrapolated out into millions of years and that everything has always happened at the same pace, it affects everything. Galaxies, speed of light, time, uh, reckoning, all sorts of things. And, and I've often pointed out that, you know, when you think about how God spoke the world into existence, a, a mature earth, a mature Adam, a mature Eve, if you were to look at Adam and Eve, one second after they were created, they don't look one second old. They look, what, 30 years old, or, or we don't know exactly uh, how old. But uh, that's just a, a microcosmic example of the, the larger creation uh, at large. But, you know, the reason they deny the global flood is the same reason they deny a lot of other uh, truths of Scripture, and that is because of liberal higher criticism that crept in. In fact, when I was in academics for 12 years, I was uh, assistant academic dean for a number of years and then vice president of academics uh, at a different institution for a number of years. And that in that department, it falls upon us to hire faculty members. And when we would interview prospective faculty members, either even adjuncts or full time, uh, we would have a list of uh, questions that are sort of a litmus test to see whether they interpret the Bible literally. And one of the questions on that list is, do you believe in a global flood? Because so many liberal teachers suggest, well, it can't possibly have been a global flood. Don't you, uh, you know, know what that would have done to the earth? And 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 that's just uh, silly. Nobody would believe in that. And they do the same thing with the parting of the Red Sea, with the sun standing still for a day in Joshua's time, uh, with all of the the miracles. And then it trickles down ultimately to the resurrection of our Lord. And so they deny the virgin birth, they deny the resurrection, and first thing you know, they're completely, uh, you know, have fallen away. So uh, it really is important. So ex explain to us, well, first of all, I always like to point out, if the Grand Canyon was formed because of a river, there are lots of rivers all over this planet. Why don't we have any more Grand Canyons? I mean, it's just an obvious uh, question. Uh, you mentioned death before sin. That's another one of, I think, the smoking gun single passages that really settles the issue of uh, the age of the earth for me, and that's Romans 5.12, where the Bible clearly says, uh, wherefore by one man 
sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So death came as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And so you can't have death before Adam and Eve, just like you can't have creation before the beginning. And, and Jesus said, from the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. So, uh, all right, so how, the, how if the Grand Canyon didn't form from a river, uh, and we know now why this is such so important for them to perpetuate the lie, uh, and I understand many people believe this not realizing it's a lie, that's the nature of deception, but you need to understand, if you're believing in an old earth uh, view, and you don't believe in a global flood, you have been deceived. And uh, so, uh, how did the Grand Canyon form? How did the flood leave us with this uh, massive landmark that we all love to go visit? Well, JB, that's uh, that's the key question. In fact, I, I get, uh, you know, scoffers, skeptics, etc., will say, well, if the globe, if the Grand Canyon was a result of a global flood, why don't we have Grand Canyons everywhere? And that's a fair question. It needs a good answer. I usually ask the question first that you pose, which is, well, if rivers carve out huge canyons over millions of years, and if the earth is billions of years old, why isn't every river, gully, stream, and creek in its own Grand Canyon by now? And then I say, let me answer both of those questions. It took a very special set of circumstances to form Grand Canyon. Uh, toward the latter part of the flood, continental drift had taken place. Toward the latter half of the flood, the continent had separated along where the fountains of the deep had been erupted. And late floodwaters running across what is now the southwestern United States removed strata about anywhere from a mile to two miles deep over what is now the southwestern U.S., and it removed those layers. And at that point in time, and this is very late in the flood, the mountains arose and the valley sank down. The, the mountains arose and the ocean basins formed and waters rushed off the continents into the what are now the ocean basins. Some people say, well, there's not enough water to cover, cover the planet. Well, the earth is 71%. The surface of the earth is, is water. Only 29% is dry land. So there's a lot of water out there. The mountains arose toward the end of the flood, and this area that the southwestern U.S. had lost between one and two miles of stratified layers were removed by late flood runoff, leaving behind what's called the Grand Staircase, which is a series of cliffs. Now, at that time when the mountains arose, northern Arizona, the Colorado Plateau area, uplifted up to about 3,000 to 4,000 feet above the surrounding plain. So the uh, layer that was left on the surface when the when the several miles of strata were removed is the Kaibab limestone. I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona right now. We are, it's built on the Kaibab limestone. The rim of Grand Canyon is the Kaibab limestone. It's the it's this layer that makes the top of the of the Coconino Plateau region. And this area uplifted. See, Grand Canyon, most people think it cuts a mile deep into the plain. But no, it cuts through the upwarp. When you're standing at the rim of Grand Canyon, you're on top of the upwarp, looking down into the chasm that is cut through the upwarp. So what we think happened, and there are actually three or four very good theories on how the canyon actually formed in a matter of days. And they're still doing a lot of research, and there's a lot of argument over, you know, which theory might be the best, and it generally depends on who's who's trying to sell which book, unfortunately. <laughs> but 
I don't get involved with those arguments. Uh, I use pieces of the various arguments to, to show the, the important thing here, JB, is to realize Grand Canyon is not something that proves millions of years of death existed before Adam. It doesn't provide a foundation for Darwinism, naturalism, humanism, etc. It actually formed quickly. The, uh, the strata was removed by late floodwaters, the upwarp formed, and then there's different theories on how the canyon actually formed. Um, one is that late floodwaters uh, actually formed a channeling event that cut into the plain and they they channel in from the north of where Grand Canyon is today down through what's called Marble Canyon. And they channeled in from the east in what's called the Little Colorado River Canyon. And those two um, channeling events met at the base of the upwarp and cut through the upwarp in a matter of days as waters were rushing through. Another theory is that the upwarp formed a huge dam that caught runoff from the end of the flood and runoff from the Colorado Plateau for a number of years, and they breached the upwarp and formed the two channeling events as the waters rushed through that area, going through the upwarp, leaving behind Grand Canyon. There's a couple of other theories as well, and the, the fact of the matter is that the canyon formed very quickly, not slowly over never seen millions of years of time. You know, they used to teach the ancient river theory or the antecedent river theory. And this is what a lot of people believe because it was taught for about 150 years. Now it was totally scientifically debunked, oh, about 60 years ago. And they finally stopped teaching it about 30 years ago. <laughs> but the ancient river theory is that the upwarp formed at the exact same slow pace that the river was slowly carving it out over millions of years of time. And you talk about a miracle, but that's been debunked for a long time. The fact of the matter is the uh, north rim of Grand Canyon is a mile higher than where the Colorado River starts forming the canyon or enters the canyon today. Actually, it was already formed. So for the old earth standpoint, water would have had to run uphill for a mile for millions of years to have had any chance of cutting through the upwarp, and that's a scientific impossibility. Water doesn't go uphill against gravity. So they 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 have some other thoughts. They came up with the Pergocious Gully theory that really is more of an excuse than an actual theory. And the old earthers don't have a good way to explain how the canyon formed uh, slowly. But we have some very good uh, theories based on really good observable evidence that it formed quickly, even though we don't know exactly which theory might be the correct one. But what we're talking about, JB, is when that water breached that upwork and started cascading through, we're talking waters that were rushing up probably 100 to 120 miles per hour. Now, water weighs eight pounds per gallon. And you're talking millions of gallons per minute pouring through that forming canyon. And it's acting like a giant belt sander. It's picking up debris from pieces of just sand grains up to 200,000 pound boulders. And it's ripping through that upwarp, forming the canyon very, very quickly. Uh, once the water dissipated, uh, it left behind the canyon and the Colorado River then entered the already formed canyon. So we know it happened quickly. Yeah, that's uh, and, and by the way, that's the same reason all, all this mighty rushing, uh, powerful water that we find 
you know, fish on the fish uh, uh, bones on the top of mountains, right? And in places you'd never expect to see them. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, even the top of, of Everest is littered with seashells because the mountains were vaulted up suddenly toward the end of the flood. Some people will say, well, there's not enough water to cover Mount Everest or Mount Ararat. Well, they weren't there during, toward the, during the flood. At the end of the flood, the mountains arose, and that's why the they are littered with seashells today. In fact, mm. you know, the, the old earth interpretation is the, the mountains are rising maybe an inch per year, but the erosion rate is is faster than what they're they're supposedly arising. So today's rates are not uniform. They're not what existed in the past. Things happen quickly. You know, picture someone draining oil from a car. You pull the little plug out in the bottom and bush, the oil pours into the pan below. And let's say you'd never seen oil drain from a car and you, you believe in uniformity and you come along, you know, 10 hours later and you, you observe the full pan of oil and you watch and watch and you see one drop every four hours coming out of the out of the pan now. And you think, well, it's always been the same uniformity. It took 10,000 years to fill that pan with oil. And you'd be <laughs> absolutely wrong. It happened very quickly. And today's rates are not in in indicative of past rates yeah global flood uh, destroyed the surface of the earth and laid down the stratified layers in that year-long global flood and uh, the the grand canyon although used to mislead people actually is good solid proof of of global flooding not only does the canyon cut through the stratified layers laid down by the flood stratified out by grain size weight and density but the the straight up and down canyon walls are indicative of very fast formation, not slow formation. And the lack of rock debris in the bottom of the, of the main part of the, the, the canyon shows that it, the, the walls couldn't have stood there for millions of years because they would collapse and the, the canyon would be full of rock debris today. But there's hardly any rock debris in the canyon, maybe enough for a few thousand years, but not millions and millions of years of time. And we haven't even talked about the mile to two miles of layers that had been removed from above the canyon. That is such awesome proof of the global flood that secular geology doesn't even like to talk about it. And that's the grand staircase, right? That's the uh, that's the grand staircase. You know, yeah. JB, you and Wendy went on our trip and I, I showed at the canyon above the canyon. Cedar Butte and Red Butte. Cedar Butte's officially called Cedar Mountain, but it's a butte. Uh, Red Butte's about seven miles south of Tucson, and uh, Cedar Mountain or Cedar Butte is on the far eastern edge of Grand Canyon by Desert Viewpoint, and they're both 900 feet tall. They're made up of the, they sit on top of the Kaibab limestone that makes up the rim of Grand Canyon, and it's a 600 foot thick Moenkopi layer and the 300 foot uh, Chin Li layer on top of that that make up these two buttes. Well, if you go 65 miles north, you pick up those same layers again, the Moenkopi and the Chin Li. You start to pick those up at the base of the Grand Staircase. So if you, God left these two buttes at both of the two entrance points to the south rim of Grand Canyon, uh, awesome proof of the global flood. In fact, I, I showed uh, Red Butte and explained it to a secular scientist a few years ago, and two weeks later, he gave his life to Christ. <laughs> the, the evidence is powerful. It's on our side. We just don't own the system, and people don't get to, to hear this. 
But Red Butte and Cedar Butte are awesome proof of the flood. And those layers, again, if you go 65 miles north, you start getting into the main steps of the Grand Staircase. Uh, you can see uh, this from Desert Viewpoint. I pointed out on our trips, but 65 miles north, you can see the first major step, which is the Vermilion Cliffs, 2,000 to 2,500 foot tall cliff. And if you get up on top of those cliffs and go about 40 miles north, you come to the 2,500 foot tall cliffs, the white and gray cliffs where we find Zion. And if you climbed up on top of those 2,500 foot tall cliffs and went 40 to 45 miles north, you come to the 2,500 foot tall pink cliffs where we find Bryce. Those mm -hmm. are the main steps of the Grand Staircase. So heading north, south, you'd be going down the staircase. You have the, the, the 2,500 foot tall cliffs where we find Bryce. You drop down, you get the 2,500 foot white and gray cliffs where we find Zion. You drop 40 miles south, you get the 2,000 to 2,000 foot tall vermilion cliffs. And there's some smaller steps too, like the chocolate cliffs. But I, I, I focus on those three. They're the main uh, steps. So above Grand Canyon. Above the rim of Grand Canyon, right. Yeah. Above today's rim, the Kaibab limestone, there used to be layers of uh, close to 10, well, let's say nine to 11,000 feet tall that have been removed. Now, th think about this, JB. Grand Canyon's 277 miles long, up to 18 miles wide, averages a mile deep. Now, that's a big hole in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. It's missing, think about this, it's missing 900 cubic miles of sediments. 900 cubic miles, that's a big hole in the ground. The Grand Staircase isn't missing 900 cubic miles of sediments. It's missing about 130,000 cubic miles of sediments. Uh, I mean, Grand Canyon's missing sediments don't even equal 1% of what's missing from the staircase. And these 130 or so thousand uh, cubic miles of sediments have been dispersed where you can't really put a finger on where they've gone because they were removed by a flooding that was global and they were dispersed widely uh, you can i think scientists have pretty well determined that the missing 900 cubic miles that were removed from grand canyon a lot of those are down outside of the phoenix area a lot are out in san diego county but they're not along the colorado river or down in the the gulf or in the Sea of Cortez, because the Colorado River didn't have anything to do with the initial formation of Grand Canyon. Hmm. Yeah, just amazing. And, you know, uh, if folks will just read the biblical narrative in God's Word, uh, Genesis 7, Genesis 8, uh, and let the Bible speak for itself, I mean, so much of it is so plain, like Genesis seven nineteen, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. Now, that does not leave any wiggle room for a regional flood. This is global in scope, and our God is powerful enough to bring that judgment, and he's going to bring that judgment next time with fire. The Bible is, is very clear about the lake of fire. And uh, But one last thing I want to mention before we wrap up, uh, going back to the uniformity, I think a, a big game changer for a lot of secular scientists was Mount St. Helens and that eruption. And they began to realize that a an event confined to a moment in time can give the appearance that it took millions of years to create that. So talk to us, if you if you will, for a moment, just about Mount St. Helens and the significance of that in the age of the Earth. 
Yeah, and actually, I have one in my book, Cost, covers the top 10 old earth beliefs, top 10 evil fruit of old earth beliefs, number one being Darwinism, top 10 Darwinian beliefs, and the top 10 reason, reasons to believe God's word. I actually have one chapter on Grand Canyon and Grand Staircase and one on Mount St. Helens, looking at it through a biblical view as well as a secular view, comparing the two views. And yeah, Mount St. Helens was the the most actually observed and, and filmed geologic catastrophe in the history of the world. We knew it was coming. Uh, people were set up uh, to, to study it, and it was studied. Uh, Mount St. Helens showed open-minded scientists mm-hmm. how canyons form and can form in a matter of hours. They, Mount St. Helens provided three different events that showed how finely stratified layers can be laid down in a matter of minutes, not millions of years of time. Uh, Mount St. Helens uh, showed us how uh, polystrata fossils form that go through multiple strata layers. It showed us how coal layers form, how branching coal seams form. It showed us how uh, things can be buried in these finely stratified layers to form fossils uh, very quickly as well. Mount St. Helens really left secular geology with no excuse. And if secular geology were really science, geology 101 would be on nothing but all the things we saw form quickly at Mount St. Helens. But however, if, if the secular world loses millions of years of time, they lose it all. that's the foundation, the the geologic column based on the belief, uniform processes and no global flood and slow strata formation. If it can be shown, which we can all do, and Mount St. Helens did it, that the layers can form quickly and the global flood explains that, which is why they deny the global flood, but the global flood destroys the old earth beliefs and with that humanism, Darwinism, naturalism, modern atheism, modern agnosticism, and all of the compromised positions inside the church today, theistic evolution, progressive creation gap theories, they're all gone if there was a global flood. In fact, millions of years of death and suffering before Adam is the glue that holds all those beliefs together. So I I would really uh, just beg our Christian brothers and sisters who have, um, you know, rejected biblical creation and rejected the global flood to really cautiously think about that and, and, you know, don't get mad, get even. No, I don't mean that. <laughs> don't get, don't get mad, get information. My book costs, it covers all the issues. I have a thumb drive that uh, has my five top teachings, including the top 10 old earth mistakes and the top 10 Darwinian beliefs. And the information is there. It's sharp, easy to understand to the point. Uh, the information is out there. We win based on the actual science. And JB, another thing I'd like to mention is a lot of folks think science is on the side of sacralists. No, no, no. They own the system. Over 80% of the branches of modern science were started by Bible-believing Christians and other, in order to study God's creation. There wouldn't even be science without Christianity but that's been undermined and taken over by secularists over the last 150 years. And now they own the system and they force everybody to interpret the world through their religious-based beliefs, which is millions of years of time leading to a Darwinian process. The truth's yeah. on our side, but they own the system. 
Yeah, I love it. You often say uh, science is a Christian's best friend, if you know, when properly uh, understood. So, uh, well, Russ, uh, thank you so much. I mean, this has been amazing. We've been talking to Russ Miller, uh, Creation, Evolution, and Science Ministries. His website is creationministries.org, creationministries.org. He's got some outstanding videos and books and things. I encourage you to check out the website. But uh, thank you so much for your time today, Russ. We'll definitely have you back on uh, to talk some more about this. But I encourage you folks to pass this uh, podcast on to others. We serve an amazing, mighty God. And uh, Satan, has, as Russ has been talking about, has been conspiring with these earthly uh, accomplices to try to undermine God's Word, undermine His power, and and, and create a, a less powerful God. But that's not the picture we get in His self-revelation to mankind. So pick up the Bible. Read about the amazing miracles of our Lord and, 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 and let the Bible uh, speak for itself. Well, folks, thanks again uh, for tuning in. You can reach us at notbyworks.com. Dot org. If we can ever help with anything, be sure and check out the free charts that and other documents on our online store. And while you're there, pick up a copy of my newest books, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and 2, and Spirit of the False Prophet. Uh, and uh, love to have you uh, pick up those books as well. So God bless you, everyone, and we will talk again soon. <music>